This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello, welcome to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, a food writer and a director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Bastian Schuifel, who is the CEO and co-founder of Go Sake, based in Berlin, Germany. Actually, yeah, he's the first guest from Germany. Um, so uh, since Bastian founded the company in 2017, he has been actively introducing Japanese sake to Germany, which is the home of great wine and beer. And he, he also has an award-winning premium sake brand called Produced by Traditional Japanese Brewers. So today we will discuss how Bastian got into Japanese sake, why he founded his sake company, his award-winning sake, how sake is accepted in Germany, and much, much more. But before we start, Japan Eats is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So if you haven't, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and subscribe to Japan Eats. And please write to a review. We really appreciate your feedback. And now let's start a conversation with Bastian Shuizong. Hello, Bastian. Welcome to the show. Hello, Akiko-san. It's very nice to be on your show, and um, I feel very honored to be um, the first German uh, participant and I'm sending absolutely positive energy to you guys uh, at this time um, in Corona times, I think. Good energy is more important than ever. <laughs> that is so true. Yeah, thank you. Um, so um, I believe it's nine o'clock at night over there. So thank you for staying up so late and to work like this. Um, yeah, so first of all, where are you from and uh, what did you eat when you grew up? So I'm now located and based in Berlin, but I'm um, born and raised in Oldenburg. Um, that's a beautiful city in the north of Germany. It's about 170,000 inhabitants. And it's a city which is well known for green cabbage and the most tea consumption in the world. And I was definitely a big fan of potatoes when I was young. And uh, my mother's doing the best fried potatoes in the world. Mm, wow. I mean, potatoes from Germany sounds like uh, people say like eggs from France. So it's a uh, premium quality potatoes. Potatoes, uh, you can you can do amazing dishes with potatoes. And uh, um, I can guarantee you that. And it's uh, it's an underestimated vegetable. It's uh, it's uh, it's really incredible what you can do with it. Right. OK, so uh, so before you started Go Sake, uh, you founded a company called Berlin Food Tour. Uh, which has been awarded the TripAdvisor Certificate of Excellence through 2015 and 2019. So what is it and what have you learned from running Berlin Food Tour so far? Well, I founded the, the company in 2013 after one year of backpacking in the US and Canada. And um, I did a lot of food tours in San Francisco and, and Vancouver and all over the US. And um, I asked myself, why don't we have anything like this in Berlin? Because um, Berlin at this time already had a quite vibrant food scene. And so I started 2013 and it's a classical food tour company. It's um, about uh, neighborhood tours, um, 
food tastings, uh, food pairings, and also a bit of um, startup tours where we show um, people who are interested um, some of the most exciting startups in the food and beverage uh, scene. And um, doing these um, tours for several years, meeting hundreds of people, I must say one of the big learnings I made over the years is uh, that food is one of the best things ever, of course. And I think food is one of the few things where most people, if it's not related to any disorders, is bringing just a positive feelings. And um, one of the main things food does, it brings people together and it um, gives people the chance to understand each other also in an amazing way because via food, you learn a lot about cultures. Mm, I agree. 300%. That's just the power of yeah. uh, any culture. And um, yeah, actually, I joined... Um, food tour in Lisbon, Portugal, mm. and it really deepened my experience and cultural understanding of uh, Portugal. And it's, so. it's, it's really interesting. And in, in if, it's, if it's a good food tour, um, which many food tours are because it's made by, by locals, it gives you the chance to, to, to come really as a, as, a, as a stranger and leave as a friend because food tours have this great uh, ability to bring people together in the long run of the tour. And at the end, because it's food involved, good talks, good laughs, it leads to a really deep connection. And uh, this is what I really love about um, this kind of food events. Mm, right. Okay, so next time I go to Berlin, I really have to join you. To you are invited. Discover. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then you founded a Golf Sake in 2017. So um, how did you get into sake and why did you start a company to promote Japanese sake? It was like like many things a coincidence. Um, as I told you, um, I did the food tours uh, several years, and um, because of this food tour uh, business, I was invited about three years ago uh, as a participant to the Japanese embassy in Berlin to a very important meeting with um, sake distributors from all of Germany um, to discuss on the topic how Japanese sake could be promoted in a better way in Germany. And at this time, um, uh, I was just a massive fan of uh, Japanese food, but sake was quite new for me. And I said to myself, okay, let's join the meeting and let's see what's happening. And um, in this meeting, it was quite interesting because uh, what always came up um, from um, the experts was uh, always uh, similar points. What's the big issue with um, um, Japanese sake in Germany? And um, it was always um, mentioned that there's a big uh, problem with reading the bottles because of the, um, the Japanese science and the language. Um, the availability in the shops is not very good. Uh, the size of the bottles is too big. Um, and the knowledge is often not really there um, because um, still many people in Europe think sake is a schnapps or some high percentage alcohol. And um, yeah, this meeting um, um, leaded to one saying of one person which said, OK, in Japan, we have these sake machines on the streets and you can buy a cup sake, like a little sake in a glass, and you can uh, drink it on the street or you drink it home, which might be better. And I, <laughs> I said to myself, wow, that would be a really cool thing if we have something similar for the Berliners and for Germany, because you might know Berlin is also the city of the Wegbier, the beer for the road. A, a roadie for the for the uh, for the for the path. So you buy your beer in the Späti in a Seven Eleven, and then you go uh, out with friends and you take the beer with you. And it's uh, even an official word in the dictionary. So um, it's quite a serious thing in Berlin. And, and I said to myself, "Wow, that would be an approach, maybe also for sake to make it a bit more easier for people to attract um, this kind of wonderful um, cultural thing." Mm. What's the name again in German? It's, uh, called, it's called a Wegbier. 
Okay. Wow. If you translate it directly, it's a way beer. So it's a beer for the road or a beer for oh, the way. Oh, big beer. Okay. Yeah, yeah so big sake. Yeah, big sake. Right. Oh, that's so cool. Um, okay, so that's how you got exposed to uh, the sake. Yeah, that was that was that was the moment where I I, I said to myself, wow, that that could be interesting. And um, from this meeting, the idea evolved in, um, and grew to um, to build up a product which um, really suits uh, the European market and uh, fits also to the um, new target groups. Mm, right. So so then from uh, from there to opening, starting your own company is a kind of big jump, right? So w- did you have any kind of direction that you're just going to do this and you have a belief in the future that you can popularize sake in Germany? I had the belief in love and power, but I did not expect the long path it had to take until um, the, the sake business really was there because um, grew, uh, building up a sake company in, in Germany um, and uh, cooperating with um, sake breweries in Japan it needs a while to establish um, a deep connection and to establish the business. And uh, um, yeah, took some while and took a lot of uh, visits in Japan, a lot of meetings and um, a lot of um, people who helped. Right. Wow, that's amazing. So how many times did you visit Japan so far? It's, uh, it's meanwhile, it's uh, five times and um, wow. hope the sixth time is coming soon. But um, I think it will uh, be a while until we can travel again. Mm, right. Okay, so uh, so what is the the mission of Gosake? So Gosake is um, is basically it's consisting of um, two ideas. Um, the first idea is that we um, support Japanese uh, microbreweries and medium sized breweries um, which don't have access to the uh, European market, um, and to also promote their wonderful products. Um, and um, Speaking about this, it's also our approach to attract new target groups because um, most or many many sake distributors are focusing on the um, on the um, sake sake aficionados and aficionadas, so the sake fans, which already might be familiar with sake. But our approach is really to try to reach new target groups, people who might not be familiar with sake at all, and um, because I think in the future of sake is also especially in this target groups, because um, in aging societies, it's uh, important to attract also people who are younger and who might not even be familiar with the product. So that's uh, the one path. And the second path we take is we have uh, um, uh, the idea of marketing. So the whole Saka, Go Saka ideas, we have a little bottle, which is um, an easy way for for buying it. So the price point is quite moderate. It's uh, not too much Saka for beginners, so you don't have to buy a big bottle. And it's a top quality. And um, so the combination out of a new target group and an attractive uh, packaging, but also an attractive price point um, helps to reach out to new target groups. Mm, right. Well, I really think, uh, like the fact that you're targeting the new generations because I think that, you know, beverage can be kind of cultural statement, right? So suddenly uh, in this country, in America, um, you know, the uh, apple cider became something very popular Absolutely. and you have to put one or two on the, on the menu, that yeah. kind of thing. But, and I think, uh, yeah, this the also um, like America's sushi became popular in America because somebody invented creative, approachable style of sushi rolls. And that kind of entrance, like large, easy to 
enter entrance is very important, and I think that's what you're trying to do. So that's amazing. Especially, especially with the Japanese sake, what what I did not know in the beginning, and what I was really surprised is. Uh, what we found out in our research with speaking with a lot of um, newbies and sake beginners is that many, many people in Europe, they are afraid of sake. And it's not mainly because they think it's a schnapps or it's high a percentage alcohol. Many people have a huge respect uh, of sake because um, it's for them very academic. Uh, it's for them very complicated. They think they have to go to a sake uh, sommelier school to learn how to drink sake. And they, they think they have to pay 200 euros for a, a sake food pairing. And they and and these these uh, walls which are which they see in front of themselves um, often is a problem uh, for easy consumption and I think this is uh, also which is the, the the challenge for for Japanese sake to of course it's important to educate and to explain this wonderful culture behind it but it's even uh, the same uh, important to give the people the chance to try it in an easy way and not always um, to expect too much from the beginners. Mm, right. And I really like the fact that you're targeting, um, introducing um, very artisanal sake brewers because they don't have much marketing cost or promotional um, power because of the size of it and it's compared to large companies. And then um, they are the ones you really want to try because of they're like gems and very uh, well-made and um, you just want to support it because otherwise they could die as a brewery so yeah that's amazing um so how popular you mentioned earlier a little bit but how popular has sake been in germany do many people uh know about it uh, have drunk sake so sake is definitely having a, a, a big momentum in europe um, and also in germany it's uh, something which is definitely now growing in numbers it's also something which becomes really an interesting topic for many, many um, restaurants. But it's still a long path to go. It's, um, it's still a drink or an, um, a product which uh, needs a lot of explanation um, to convince people. And I think the most, people, the most, the most uh, important thing is also that the people have a chance to, to try it and, and to taste it. Because um, what I see often on street food markets when we are there, and we visited many street food markets and, and food markets, uh, the first thing when they see a sake booth and some products and bottles, uh, uh, the people in Germany say, ah, that's, that's schnapps, let's go further. And then you have to try to get the people to the booth and you say, no, it's not a schnapps. Uh, consider it a bit more like a wine to make it a bit more easier to the, for the people to understand. Of course, it's not a wine, but you have to break the ice. And um, uh, back to your question, uh, the market is growing. Um, uh, almost any Japanese restaurant in, 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 in Germany is also having um, any kind of sake or some kind of sake in the, in the menu. But it's, it's huge potential still to go. And uh, it's a long path, but it's also um, quite a uh, huge potential to reach. Mm, right. And I happened to uh, come across uh, one study. I mean, it's one data that came out uh, in June 2017. So Germany has about hundred restaurants in the whole country that serves authentic Japanese cuisine. Mm-hmm. Uh, although there are about estimated to be a thousand to two thousand Japanese restaurants that could be kind of fusion Japanese. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not a small number, but you know, I'm not sure what kind of way uh, you know service uh, they have in terms of sake. You know, they have some yeah or just there's somebody we just don't know. There's just serving sake, whatever yeah, is available. Yeah, it's, it's like, um, 
it's like the the uh, the, the problem, as you said. Also, it's, it's uh, we have, we have a lot of uh, well, it's not a problem, but it's it's an issue. We have a lot of fusion restaurants, and the fusion restaurants uh, don't see sake as their 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 main main goal to have it on the menu. So it's uh, very important to to make sure also that they got a chance to to, to learn about it. So um, so how popular is Japanese food in Germany? Um... So it's Japanese food right now in, in Germany, as also in Europe, it's um, it's really popular. It's uh, I just read last week that um, in between 2017 and 2019, there was an increase of 30% of Japanese restaurants abroad. So, um, and this shows a bit also how uh, interesting this market is for, um, for, uh, for Japanese food in, in, in Europe. And in, especially in Berlin or in Germany, um, uh, Japanese food has a has a high reputation. There's um, uh, people uh, get what they expect, and it's, it's uh, the top quality. And I think this is also what makes Japanese food so interesting for many people. Mm, that's great. I mean, considering Germany, it's uh, there's no ocean, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the high quality fish arrives there, and people are really happy about the quality and uh, you know Japanese food itself. So, yeah, the, the power of uh, global economy right now yeah right so and i, I came across a, um, a study uh, that's from uh, june 2017 and uh, germany has about 100 restaurants in the whole country that serves authentic japanese cuisine although there are over i mean around 1000 to 2000 japanese restaurants that includes fusion japanese so it sounds like it's, it's a decent amount of japanese restaurants there and I assume they serve sake at each restaurant. Yeah, many many of the um, uh, the restaurants have uh, sake on the menu. Often it's just one sake. Often it's also just a, a cheap sake, um, and um, sometimes it's not even a good sake. Um, so I think there's huge potential also for um, getting a bit better in this field and um, getting people also more uh, or giving people more the chance to experience a bit uh, a more diverse um, sake in the restaurants. And um, you're right, uh, we have a lot of fusion restaurants, not just in Germany, but also especially in Berlin. It's um, Fusion restaurants are very popular. And um, I think in regard of, um, of, of sake, which is, which is uh, served in these restaurants, um, there's especially also in the fusion restaurants, uh, restaurants uh, still a lot of potential. Mm, right. Yeah, the fusion sometimes sounds really negative, but um, as far as there's authentic... Um, Absolutely, and they are right. ama amazing. Also in Berlin, we have amazing um, fusion restaurants, which really uh, I think they totally understand also or understood what the what the the Berlin um, foodie market needed, and and I I must say I applaud them for for their approach, and um, so I I totally agree with you. It's, um, it's a fusion doesn't mean uh, good or bad. It's just uh, if you do it in a good way, it's it's also some uh, totally amazing food. Right? Yeah, that's the creativity that's important. To, for any cuisine to advance. So, yeah, hopefully I get the chance to find the latest of uh, Berlin-style Japanese sometime. In yeah, the we, have, we have, we have, we have uh, fusion-wise, but also um, Japanese-wise, some, some really good restaurants um, in, in Berlin, but also in Germany, which really um, are, are doing so much, um, so much qualitative, uh, great foods, which, which, you, which you dream of. Mm, right. Yeah, Berlin. Oh, no doubt, it's really the most one of the most global cities. It's just as much as New York, people say, and uh, it's always a leading city about arts and culture. So, yeah, it must be really wonderful. Um, 
So your company's name is Go Sake. So what does Go mean? So go um, coming back to the story with the uh, with the um, uh, sake for for to go in Japan from the vending machine, um, which in Japan often is the um, one hundred eighty milliliter size bottle or the glass. Uh, we um, or I were, we, we were doing some research and we found out that it's always about the one hundred eighty uh, milliliter. And um, in in, J- in Japanese um, traditionally this is one go ichigo. And um, um, one go is also the um, the uh, the wooden cup uh, masu, which uh, used to be the measurement for rice. So, uh, which you often see still in Japanese restaurants, where people drink out of their uh, the sake, this um, wooden little box, which is often hidden under the uh, the glass. And um, for us, go stands for sake to go. So you can take the little bottle with you on the path um, on the street, or you take it home with you. And funny-wise, the the go sign uh, for the uh, the masu, the kanji, looks a bit like a house, so it uh, fits very good with the story. You bring it home, or you take it from home. Um, <laughs> That's so right. And right. Um, and also, it's um, it stands for um, a good fit, um, which is one of the the translations also in, in Japanese. So it's a good fit for for the craft beer brewery and also for the consumer. So it brings uh, the uh, the children of love together and. Um, Go stands also for five. So um, um, our entrance point for the little sake bottles is about five euros, five dollars, which uh, is also a price point, which even um, in Berlin is um, is a price point which is still handable uh, because um, a lot of people in, in Berlin, they um, buy a, a beer for the road or a, a little drink for the road. And if it's too expensive, people don't try something new. And for us, it was very important to um, put the, the, the entrance level not too high price-wise. And this is why we have... A little bottle, uh, very good sake for a really affordable price, and um, yeah, that's um, that's a bit the there's a story with the go behind it. Mm, that's a very smart naming. Um, yeah, and actually, that price point, especially uh, during this pandemic, uh, people are more price sensitive. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, and I actually spoke to a couple uh, sake distributors uh, here in New York, and mm-hmm. uh, what's happening with their sales. And of course, they had to um, stop the selling to Japanese restaurants. There, there's nothing open. But on the other hand, they're surprised by how much people are drinking Japanese sake at home, because now they realize instead of going to restaurant, they have access to retail shops, and they realize that oh wow, sake is available. <laughs> and then the distributors started to sell more sake, and they have tasting seminars online. And I really think this is kind of a it's kind of a good luck for Japanese sake in terms of how they can penetrate into the consumer market. So that the point is that and had 180 milliliters is the cup sake size. Uh, you can try easily at a reasonable price, and if you like it, you can expand the size. And, and of course, and it's just really something you just want to try, and that's really the smart way. You know, like you don't have to commit anything at the beginning, right? And 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 it's not it's you're you're not running into into bankruptcy buying a bottle. And um, if you don't <laughs> if you don't like it, it's it's an investment where you said okay, that's a, like a like a language class or something. It's an investment right. for education, <laughs> and you can say, wow, okay, uh, that's not my cup of drink. But um, um, and coming back to your point, also what what we see is that especially online and and um, uh, people drink uh, more at home. I see it every morning when I walk along the glass containers of Berlin. 
um, huge amounts of uh, wine bottles and beer bottles are uh, represented uh, in the streets of Berlin. So um, uh, obvious, it's not just a corona crisis, but it's also an alcohol time, alcohol consumption time. And mm. um, what I heard also from friends and, and, and people in the sake industry in, in, in Germany is uh, that especially the, the, um, the, the, the high-class restaurants and the top Japanese restaurants um, which are still open, um, like like so in Germany we're not right now in a lockdown. Um, so they 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 sell a lot of sake. So uh, it seems that in um, in the in the in the in the high in the in the top restaurants there's also um, there's still a big demand for for good Japanese sake. Mm, oh, that's great! We really uh, backed up the fact that Japanese cuisine is solidly popular in mm -hmm. Berlin. So that's good news. Right. Okay, so let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll discuss uh, Bastian's award-winning sake brand. So please stay with us. All of us at HRN have been keeping busy, despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, food podcasts from HRN provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new show. Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Eats. I'm your host, Kiko Tema, and my guest today is Bastian Schwefel, uh, who is the CEO and co-founder of Gosake, based in Berlin, Germany. So, um... Right, so you have own sake brand uh, called Go Sake, of course, and and which was awarded uh, recently in the list of the best craft sake in the biggest German sake tasting. Mm -hmm. uh, that's uh, Beininger's Fine Belt. Wow, very know, good. However, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, so, what types of sake do you offer, and where and how do you make them? So um, we have um, about. Um, eight different products, eight different sakas, um, and um, the reach um, or the, the target bench is come, going from Honjozo over Junmai to Junmai Ginjo to the um, to the absolutely premium sakas like Daiginjo and um, Junmai Daiginjo. And um, so we have for every um, taste but the right sake. Um, and um, we were traveling about one month through Japan, visiting about 30 breweries and uh, meeting a lot of people and... Um, Trying to figure out what's um, a perfect sake for um, the European and the German uh, market, especially, and um, took a lot of um, uh, sake tastings in Japan and a lot of uh, visits in sake breweries, and um, 
And uh, finally, we found a, a lineup where we think this is a very suitable um, taste for many uh, Saka fans, but also uh, Saka beginners. Mm. So how do you describe the flavors, taste of sake that's um, likened by Germans? As you mentioned in the beginning, in Germany is the country of uh, beer and wine. Huh? We are totally... Uh, high-consumption alcohol country. It's still um, one of the countries where alcohol is uh, consumed in a, in a high portion. And <clears throat> we found out that especially uh, in Germany, um, sakas, which are a bit uh, in the field of dry white wines, are quite successful and uh, find a lot of uh, popularity. So, for example, one of our top sellers is a very nice Junmai, which is like a bit of an all-rounder in the sake world. And it's... Um, It brings this interesting uh, combination of, of, of uh, light, fruity aspects, but it's a bit more dry and it's not um, taking too much knowledge from the people when they try it in the beginning. And it gives the people really the chance as the first sake to uh, fall in love with sake because it's, um, it's an easygoing sake. And um, that's especially uh, what we found out um, on our food markets that, that this sake, uh, which people really love when they, when they start with trying sake. Mm. And and then of course for the for the restaurants in Berlin or in Germany which um, uh, we work together with which be do like like a vegan restaurants uh, which uh, work with a lot of um, vegetables uh, like a Junmai Ginjo a bit more the fruitier versions of sake uh, work very fine and interesting wise in our target group it's it's as uh, diverse the sakes are is also the target group people love uh, Honjozo or they love Junmai or they love all sakes but It's really complicated to say this is the one sake which which suits everyone, and um, as you know, it's like if it comes about if it comes about uh, comes around food, it's anyone has a has a certain taste for for anything. Mm, right. Well, that's the the vegan part uh, you really um, emphasize on your website. So, is uh, veganism very um, strong in Germany? Yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's getting strong and becoming uh, popular everywhere, and um, for a good reason because um, this whole sustainability approach it's it's uh, it's it's uh, one of the big um, uh, approaches which which uh, which is very important right now because um, people want to change something, and uh, um, at the end it's like we see especially in Germany and um, the, the the vegetarian and vegan community is, is growing from day to day and. Um, for us, it was always important in the beginning, in the beginning also with picking sakas that we um, had sakas which are also fulfilling uh, the, um, the, the aspect of um, vegan sake. Mm, right. Well, the sake essentially is a vegan because wine is not because they, to clarify um, the liquid, wine uses some elements of mm -hmm. eggs, so, which is not vegan. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a great sales point for sake. It's yeah, vegan. It, <laughs> yeah, interesting-wise, it's really um, we we um, we went to some um, vegan festivals in Germany, and um, people really who uh, who uh, are vegetarian or vegan, they look really for interesting alternatives, alcohol-wise also. And um, sake is something which is for many people quite new in this field, and um, it suits um, very much to any kind of vegetarian dishes as a as a like a food pairing or as a dinner dinner drink. And I think this is also why this whole uh, vegan um, uh, vegan target group is very interesting because uh, it gives the people the chance to combine foods in a perfect way at home. Mm, right. Okay. So, um, so how did you you knew you produce your sake with uh, 
your brewery partners you mm -hmm. found after hard work. So how um, how do you coordinate uh, with? I think you have uh, how many brewers do you work with? Like five or at, at, at the moment it's uh, it's three breweries um, and um, we will still uh, grow with breweries and and also work together with different prefectures in Japan. But at the moment, we have um, uh, three breweries, partner breweries in Japan. Um, one is the, in, in Kochi. It's the Arimitsu Brewery. It's an um, amazing little brewery, which is uh, doing uh, our Junmai. And um, um, the brewmaster is always listening to some jazz when he's brewing the sake. So it's a very ja jazzy <laughs> sake. Um, and um, then we have a, a wonderful little brewery where we work together with in uh, Nara, which is also the, like a bit like the birth area of sake in Japan. It's the Kita Brewery, and um, and um, in Kyoto we have uh, the Yamamoto Honga Brewery, which is doing uh, our premium sakas. So um, it's very important to stay in touch with the breweries and also to see each other face to face, which is right now a bit uh, tricky. And uh, Zoom with all the frozen faces uh, is not the same as seeing people in in, in life. Um, mm. And um, yeah, but uh, I'm very lucky to have met all this um, amazing craftsman and craftswoman in Japan, which which doing um, this wonderful product. Mm. Right. Okay. And uh, so you sell not just uh, 180 um, milliliter cup size, right? You have extensive sizes, like 300 milliliters and 720, which is close to wine bottle size. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Um, so whoever likes the the cup size, you can. Um, make it bigger and enjoy I mean, the diversity. You're right. So, right. Okay. And uh, so, the where where can you buy um, go sake? We work together with about thirty shops in Germany. So um, mainly in Berlin. Um, and for us, it's important not just to work together with uh, mainly Japanese restaurants, but also with um, restaurants which in the first instant might not have to do anything with sake because, um, as mentioned, we want to attract new target groups. And so we work together with um, craft beer places and also with uh, burger places um, because um, what's really interesting is that sake is the perfect food match for many dishes and for many combinations. And uh, via food you uh, and the combination of sake and food, you reach a lot of uh, new sake fans. Mm. And, of course, also we have an online shop and um, uh, there's always a chance to pick up uh, the sake at our um, uh, local office. So, um, yeah, that's right now the, the, the state is about 30 restaurants. Um, we still have to do a lot of um, uh, marketing and, and uh, also sales. And after Corona, um, definitely um, there's huge interest from France and also from the UK. Let's see uh, which path we take. Mm. Right. Um, I'm very hopeful that you're going to cultivate the new kind of genre um, that's always available to pair with any kinds of food, uh, which never happened widely outside of Japan in terms of sake. Um, like um, a while ago, I had a, a formal dinner and it's a Japanese and Italian chefs together cooking side by side. Mm -hmm. And then you can get sake and the Italian wine. Uh, at the same time. So you can pair with Japanese food, Italian wine, and Italian food, Japanese sake, vice versa. And one thing I found is that it's just always, we have a bias, right? Italian has to be Italian. Japanese sake has to go with Japanese food, which mm -hmm. is completely not true. And some of the Italian dishes I definitely preferred uh, with sake. 
So, yeah, I think what you're trying to do is very uh, interesting. And uh, I really hope you can succeed in inspiring younger generations. So, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it's, uh, we definitely will need this, but um, um, it's now three years we are on the market and it's, uh, it's worth the, the work also on the topic of Saka. It's, um, it, Saka deserves this kind of, um, I think, work and also this intense uh, marketing for it because um, it's, uh, as, as soon as you start to, to, to learn about it, it's, it's an um, amazing culture and an amazing product. Mm, right. And uh, who are actually drinking Go Sake right now? The target group is, uh, we did some research on this, it's, um, it's really diverse. It's, um, it starts with craft beer fans, which might not drink for the evening an IPA, but they say we want to try something new, we, we, we try a sake, and then they become really some of our best sake fans. So, uh, so really beer fans often uh, switch to sake one, one night per week. Um, and um, also in the in the uh, in the high class restaurants, we have the the absolutely sake fans, uh, aficionados and aficionadas, which like the premium um, uh, sakes we have. And um, it's also sometimes really interesting to see what kind of people you meet again at a street food marketplace, which you have seen one time before, and you would never think that these people might become sake fans because uh, from your perception, uh, you you would not think. Like a like a like a absolutely um, industrial wine fan stand in front of you and say, "Is this a, is this a riesling?" And you explain three times, "It's not a riesling," and then they, they <laughs> and then they take a zip and they say, "Oh, well, phew, this is really interesting." And the next street food market, they come back and said, "Wow, it's it was so interesting that we want to now buy a big bottle." And and this is really what I love about what we are doing is uh, the success in 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 winning really people. Who haven't known or who don't know anything about sake before? Mm, that's very interesting. Yeah, sometimes sake can be uh, tasting like riesling, or you know, some sake has a very strong butterscotch, like a caramel flavor, <laughs> which could be something related to different kinds of white wine. And yeah, and then also um, beer and sake are relatively similar in terms of uh, the production process. Mm -hmm. So. I think in here in America, some craft brewers started to use a uh, koji mold to brew a uh, craft beer. Mm -hmm. And uh, some sake producers started to introduce some elements of beer. And it's this very interesting exchange. So maybe that's going to happen in Germany, too, after you uh, educate people mm -hmm. over there. Yeah, we will see. I think it's, it's uh, the interest also, the openness for people and for food is, 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 has, has grown over the last years. I saw it also in my food tour business the openness for trying new foods, different foods, is um, has rapidly grown up um, or grown. It's it's like um, I think people are really interested in new things. Mm, right. So um, yeah, you have uh, many types and honjo so junmai, junmai ginjo, junmai dagijo, dagijo. So it's it's a technical term. So for listeners who are not familiar with it, but it's just a matter of how delicate or how bold or different kinds of flavor. So is there any specific uh, Type that's popular right now. So one 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 of the all rounder sakes um, worldwide, which is also in the next years, um, if you speak with uh, researchers about it, it's uh, one of the, the growing um, fields of sake. It's definitely the junmai. It's um, the a bit the all rounder of sakes. It's it's uh, has already quite a nice polishing uh, ratio, and it has um, um, a taste which um, suits to many occasions and. Uh, 
So the research, research shows, especially also for Europe, that um, the, uh, the Junmai market is definitely one of the, uh, the biggest portion of the uh, growing market. Mm, nice. Interesting. Because I think people tend to, Japanese people tend to believe uh, non-Japanese people cannot handle Junmai because it's more like genuinely rice flavor in your nose first. Mm-hmm. But then, and the Junmai Daiginjo or Daiginjo tend to be more kind of like subtlety, but that's not always the case. You really can't tell uh, what kind of taste or flavor one sake level offers you. So Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it's really interesting also to see how diverse uh, different products from different breweries are and how uh, how different the water is, how different... Uh, the influence from the yeast is it's uh it's it's really um quite amazing to see if you see just the 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 few ingredients which lead to such a different result mm, right yeah then how much minerals in the water yeah. and those things everything right yeah wow that's fascinating um so you also make a sake and tonic it's like gin and tonic so mm-hmm. tell us about the product so when we when we started um, uh, the Gosaka project, um, we had to do a lot of marketing to get the people to know that we are there. And um, I uh, had always the idea because I read it on a on a on a mixology blog years ago. It would be a cool idea to combine as a long drink sake and tonic. And um, some bartenders in the world did it already at this time. And then I said to myself, let's give it a try on our markets. Let's uh, especially on hot summer days get some ice cubes in a box and uh, get some good tonic and some good sake and make a little uh, tasting um, mix for the people to, to give it a try. And um, I did not expect um, the, 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 the good feedbacks for this. And it's really interesting how many people love the combination of sake and tonic. And interesting-wise, the, 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 uh, the, the big sake fan might say, oh, you could not combine sake and tonic. That's not working. You should drink it pure. Um, but I can tell you, if you see sake and tonic as a vessel to win much more people to also try pure sake in the later, um, it's it's definitely worth a try. And um, it's interesting how many um, frequent customers we have won over sake tonics, which are now mm. which are now also buying uh, bottles of uh, daiginjo. And uh, and um, so it's a it's a it's a very easy access to people because a lot of people know um, gin and tonic. Gin and tonic is one of um, the most popular summer drinks um, ever. And um, so the interesting part is if you drink a sake tonic and you can try it very good at home also, it's worth the try. Just get some uh, good tonic water, um, your favorite sake um, and some good ice cubes. And um, then uh, I would always recommend a 50-50 mix. And um, you will see it's um, quite interesting what's happening in the glass. Because um, sake and tonic is a quite interesting combination. It doesn't take too much of the character of each other and still lets sake play its uh, its its the, the, the important role of the drink. Mm, interesting. Well, that's really fascinating about Japanese food culture going abroad and it's get advanced because it's a breakthrough idea. And I, I know that, like, I heard somebody said uh, that in Spain, people think they drink wine, but gin and tonic is really popular as much as wine and people order it at any restaurant and they keep drinking with food. So that's the same idea. You just mm-hmm. make it more approachable and uh, not too strong alcohol. Like, I mean, sake is about 16 mm-hmm. and 15, 16, there's almost a stronger and higher alcohol wine level. But 
it's almost like a beer alcohol level, right? That's I, I saw your one is uh, 7.5% alcohol yep. level. So that's more like an everyday kind of drink. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's um it's not too strong. It's refreshing, and um, you still um, interesting. Wise when people drink it, they they think, oh, it's tonic, but what is in it? What is in it? And then they start to think about, it and they really don't get it in the beginning. And that's uh, since since sake has this very inter in interesting character in the sake and tonic, and people like to to uh, to guess what's what's in it, what's the mix, and and um, this is also what I like about it. It's it's makes people think it makes people think oh what is what's the second component and what is what what makes this drink so interesting and it's a bit like a wine but it's not a wine and and then you get the people often in, in, a, in a discussion and then they try also other kinds of uh, pure sarkas and um i think it's it's great to try things and um you should always in, a, in this kind of industry or market you should also try different things which which might work or not work but i think it's important to try different things Mm, right. So you never know what happens. Absolutely. What kind of deliciousness is born. Right. So um, so in addition to producing gold sake, you promote Japanese culture through workshops and tasting events and those things. So could you give us some examples? Yeah, we try. We do, of course, the classical um, uh, sake uh, um, education class where people learn about the different sorts with um, some little bites, which like like a food pairing with a little bit of snacks. Um, and we try to price it not too expensive that also people who um, who um, yeah might not be sure if, if Tark is their drink or have a chance to figure it out. And we try also to do, of course, tastings which are a bit unusual or a bit different. Um, we did very successfully um, last year a sake and burger food pairing. So uh, we had three different sakes and three different little burgers, um, uh, which one of mm. the best burger places of Berlin, Pound and Pence, did. And it's interesting to see how the umami from the burger suits very well with sake. And uh, it's um, it was really interesting also how amazed the people were consuming sake with burgers and this aroma explosion in their mouths. Mm, yeah, sake has definitely umami. So, wow, that's interesting. Um, yeah, do you work with other organizations when you do all those uh, the events? Yeah, we, we, we have a very close relationship with Jetro, um, um, Jetro, uh, the external trade um, association, which helped also us a lot to meet people in Japan and breweries and also different prefectures. And um, I think especially when it comes to um, cooperating or working together with Japanese companies and you don't speak fluently Japanese or you don't have any direct contact person there, um, you always need this kind of liaison manager, which helps you to break the ice and, and to get in contact with uh, the breweries. This is very important in Japanese culture because um, a bit different than in Germany, where you might approach people directly and ask for um, for an appointment in Japan. It's, uh, we recognize it's more important to have somebody who says, okay, these guys do a solid job. Um, it's worth meeting them. And um, so Jetro helped a lot. Um, we had also some um, good uh, support from from Kochi, the Chamber of Commerce, which helped us there, and um, the Japanese Embassy in Berlin also um, did quite a lot of or helped us a lot. Mm, that's great. Yeah, Jetro, um, they have like many offices and in many major cities, and uh, yeah, they really do. They're a part of the Japanese government, so they genuinely try to help you. So yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so. The Japanese sake industry is um, shrinking very fast, unfortunately, and uh, they say there are only about 1,000 operating sake breweries in Japan now, uh, down from in the past like 4,000. So for them, uh, the overseas market is the key to survival. 
as the Japanese drinking population also shrinking, unfortunately. So what is your advice to Japanese sake brewers in Japan to increase sales in Germany? I think um, one of the most important things doing business with um, within two countries or with each other is to understand the, the cultures of each other, um, the, the cultures of the country, the culture of the product, and um, especially, for example, in between Germany and Japan, it's a lot of things which are very similar, but also uh, many things are, are different. So it's, uh, I think, one thing I would always recommend to get known to the, the culture of the country you want to export um, your products to. And also what I think is also very important is to get a realistic perspective and estimation or expectation um, what the target market also could deliver in regard of sales numbers. Because uh, mm. I have the feeling often also when I speak with Japanese brewers and um, uh, Japanese companies, they... They think it's like the 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 the, the that sake is the most consumed drink in Europe, and um, I think it's important to also explain to to many people it's um, maybe in the future this is one of the most consumed drink in Europe, but right now it is not. And um, I think it's <laughs> that's very ambitious. <laughs> yeah, and, and we all wish this, yes, of course. But uh, I think it's to have realistic estimations, and and this is also where organizations could help. So we, we founded um, two weeks ago in Berlin the um, German Sake Embassy. It's the German Association for Promoting Sake in uh, Germany. And um, the, the aim is also to help um, Japanese companies, but also Sake fans, to, to get an association with uh, events, but also with, uh, with connecting and um, with supporting um, interests. And... Uh, so back to your question, I think, um, first of all, you should figure out what's the, uh, what's the culture, what's, what's the realistic um, target numbers, and uh, meet the people in person. Travel, even if it's now not easy to travel, then do some Zoom or something, get a feeling for your, your vice versa, um, because uh, it's, it's all about people, and especially also the sake industry, it's about trustworthy relationships. Mm, right, and then by understanding the culture, uh, there could be some interesting ideas, and I think it's uh, the key to advance what they're doing, thinking about anything. So that's wonderful. And uh, you have a charity program called Go For It. And could you tell us what it is and uh, why you started it? So, yeah, I, I just I, I just thought because sake, Japanese sake in Europe is quite a um, carbon unfriendly um, thing because um, the carbon footprint of uh, importing sake flying or shipping is uh, it's definitely not uh, uh, the most convincing argument for this business. Um, and we said to ourselves, okay, if, if um, since we love sake, Japanese sake, and we love to cooperate with uh, Japanese breweries, we have to give something back because it, it's really at this times where, where everybody thinks about sustainability and green energy and, and less uh, carbon um, uh, footprints. We thought, okay, let's, let's figure out what we can do. And um, we thought, since um, sake is made up with uh, 80% of water and water is the most crucial element of, of sake to, to give its, its characteristics, um, we find a project which is also um, water-related. And um, we are now working together with the NABU, which is the Nature and Bi Biodiversity Conservation Union in, in Germany. And um, we uh, uh, undertook the sponsorship of 10,000 square meters in one of the uh, most important water uh, um, areas, um, the Lake Stechlinsee, which is um, close to Berlin. And it's, um, it's a very important region um, for, uh, for uh, yeah, the, the, the water inhabitants. Mm, right. So it's a really, uh, 
It's uh, I heard it's a Brandenburg. Yeah. It's the deepest lake in the area. It's the is... deepest lake, and it's um, it's also have some. Uh, it's, it's connected to a lot of uh, rivers and other lakes, so it's it's like a like a quite um, um, quite uh, amazing area, which uh, which um, has a lot of to 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 deliver. Mm, right. Wow. Yeah. I I think everybody uh, admit that. Well, globalism is great because you can try something that you, it's not available in this country or the other country. But there's always a compromise, and you don't try not look at it, but you really tackle. Yeah. <laughs> well, straightforwardly, so I really admire what you do. Um, yeah. So, uh, what are your plans? So the plans is uh, the plan is to to um, establish more understanding and and uh, more love for for J Japanese sake and and, and Europe. Um, so we want to to grow um, the sake product portfolio also with uh, some more sakes from um, more um, prefectures from Japan, but also um, try new things. We also brought out some sake gelée, which people like who uh, for for breakfast on their croissant, and we recognize also sake gelée similar to a sake tonic, um, helps people to uh, get in touch with sake in a very easy way. And um, also founding the Sake Embassy two weeks ago, I think is a good um, sign for um, representing sake in Germany also in an official, on an official level. And um, so I think in the, in the near future, um, this whole sake um, topic will definitely grow and it will, um, the target group will grow and more and more restaurants, also not Jap Japanese restaurants, will um, have some sake on the menu, hopefully. Mm, right. So one day, uh, veg sake is going to be in, in the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> <German> dictionary. <laughs> when you, when you right. come to Berlin, we have our veg sake together. Okay, mm -hmm. I can't wait. <laughs> right. So, all right. So where can we find your updates online and social media? So we do a lot of on, on Instagram, it's um, uh, gosaka.com and on, on Facebook, like just the gosaka. And um, yeah, we, if, you, if you write us or, or via these channels, um, we always uh, try to respond as fast as possible. And uh, Instagram and Facebook are right now our uh, most active uh, social media channels. Mm. And uh, hopefully one day you're going to sell uh, gosake in New York. So that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> right. Good luck. Good and yeah, so thank you for joining us today, Bastian. Thank you very much for having me. All right, so listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics for guests, please contact us at japaneeds at theheritageradionetwork.org or akikokatayama.com. Japanese is a weekly program and always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer today is Jess Kreinchich and Matt Patterson. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Japan Eats is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like 
tell your friends and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.